Let's jump into Acts chapter 6 as we continue our series, Church Strong. Everybody say, Church Strong. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Have you know God's people need to walk full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom in the hour that we're living in, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and seven other guys, verse 6, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of the Lord spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. We read in Acts 6, the early church is experiencing a move of God. We were in Acts 4 and 5, and the previous... uh, chapter. They're meeting in the temple daily. They're meeting from house to house. It's going strong. God is on the move. And in the midst of the move of God, a complaint emerges about a problem. There's a complaint that arises from the Greek-speaking Jews, those who live outside of Palestine, against the Hebrew-speaking Jews, those who live on the inside. And the complaint was that the Greek-speaking widows were being neglected and overlooked in the daily distribution of food. It leads me to my first point on your weekly on the back there. A move of the Holy Spirit is not absent of problems because the Holy Spirit exposes the problems in the hearts of men. How many thankful for grace? Listen, sometimes I think we think the move of God listen, should bring out the best, but how do you know he's got to bring out the worst in us before he gets to the best of us? And that's why scriptures talk about where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, right? And so the Holy Spirit's on the move, and here is this problem. John 16, 8 through 10, I'm reading out of the voice, says this about the Holy Spirit's work. When he arrives, he will uncover the sins of the world, expose unbelief of sin and allow all to see their sins in the light of righteousness for the first time. This new awareness of righteousness is important because I'm going to the Father and will no longer be with you. How many thankful that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And he wants us to make aware of that. And and how he makes us aware of the, the righteousness that we have access to is by 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 purifying our lives, by purifying our hearts. So what was the problem in Acts 6? The fruit of the problem, which we read about, was that the widows were being neglected and overlooked. But the root of the problem was deeper than that. How many know it's important to not just deal with the fruit, but to deal with the root? You see, the root of the problem, and this is in your notes, was that leaders were neglecting and overlooking what was in their hearts, and it affected what was being distributed through their hands. You see, there was a prejudice and exclusion happening in leadership that was threatening the ministry. We know that in earlier chapters of Acts, they were what? They were in one place and they were what? In one accord. 
But something happened by the time we get to Acts chapter 6 that there was this potential for division for the enemy coming in and killing, some commentaries say, killing the move of God and killing the early church that we read about in Acts. There was a prejudice and exclusion threatening the ministry. An insider and an outsider mentality existed which corrupted the system of daily distribution. How many know there's no outsiders in Christ? Come on, we're all insiders in Christ Jesus, amen? The corrupt system, listen, was due to a corrupt heart. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witnesses, blasphemies. It created this problem. It created an us, the Hebrew-speaking Jews, and them, the Greek-speaking Jews issue. It was an us and them issue. How many know in the body of Christ there's no room for us and them? How many know there's only an us in Jesus? Come on. As God's people, we know God didn't create us and them. He didn't create insiders and outsiders. He created us. Everybody say us. Leads me to my second point. Multiplication is often accompanied by complication. Multiplication, when the church is growing, it is often accompanied by complication. How many know problems shouldn't surprise us? They should provoke us. Problems shouldn't surprise the people of God. They should provoke us to create solutions. God wants us and calls us to be problem solvers. Amen? It's important for us to understand, especially where we're at as a church, as God is adding to us, come on, as God is adding to us, it's important to know that problems come with growth because God uses problems to grow us. So what happens a lot of times is the people of God or a body or a church family like ours, we experience problems, and instead of becoming the problem solvers that God calls us to be, we go to the church down the other street because they don't have no problems down there. But what really happens is you go there, and guess what they've got? You see, this is the thing that we have to learn in God's family. How many of you have a family that you've had an argument with? A family member you've had an argument, and you had to work it out. Only one guy worked it out. How many guys had an argument with a family, and you had to work it out? That's all of us, right? Because you are tied to that family member. But in the spiritual, how many know we're tied together too? And listen, if we want to step into maturity as believers and as a church family, we have to be willing to look problems in their face and learn how to approach them in maturity and get beyond them. All right, Pastor Dean's preaching. All right. You see, if handled properly with maturity, problems are opportunities for personal and spiritual growth. You see, a church without challenges and problems is a church without people who are committed to grow. Leads me to my third point. Clarity releases others to walk in their authority. I'm giving you some principles, and then we're going to wrap this up at the end with communion. Verse 2 said, when they heard about this complaint, then the 12 summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God 
and serve tables. This is important for us to understand as disciples and leaders in the body of Christ, or maybe you lead your own business, or you're a manager or a supervisor, but this is very important for us. Wherever God has you in ministry, how you know ministry does, doesn't happen in these four walls? It happens wherever you're at. We're all commissioned and empowered for ministry wherever God calls us. But as a leader, clarity and clutter cannot coexist. You can't do everything and say yes to everything because how many know you'll never be clear on anything? You see, when the clutter is cleared from my life as a leader or as a pastor, clarity comes. When clarity comes, your calling is crystallized. You see, the apostles couldn't focus on teaching and preaching and provide what was needed for the business of daily food distribution to the widows. And I think there's a valuable lesson for all of us to learn that's tucked away in verse 2 that we'll miss and go right on by it if we don't stop and take a look. It's in your notes, but it's an important principle for us as God is adding to us, as he's growing us personally and corporately as a body. It's important for us to understand this, that growth will always require us to know what to say yes to and know what to say no to. Growth will always require us to know what to say yes to and know what to say no to. I get calls all the time as the lead pastor of this church and our team gets calls all the time about, hey, will you host this or will you host that or would you guys start this or start that? And and as a staff, we have to be careful because if we take on something that God has not called us to do, how many know it's going to clutter our calling? And there's not going to be a whole lot of clarity that's even what happens in transition, and, and, and that's what we've experienced together the last 19 months. Listen, there's been a lot of clutter and, and a lot of movement and, and a lot of different things going on. But how do you know God is clearing out the clutter and clarity is coming? Clarity is coming. It takes time. Everybody say time. You see, churches who say yes to everything do nothing well. Churches who say no to everything do nothing at all. But a church that knows its yes and understands its no is church strong. Everybody say church strong. You see, the apostles knew their yes, and they understood their no. And here's the key. Here's the key. Their no became seven men's yes. Their no became seven other men's yes. For the last 13 years before coming to real life, I was an executive pastor. I love to execute. I love taking the dreams of lead pastors and they'll, they'll, they'll give me the dream and I'll, I'll, I'll map out the vision. I'll get all the detail. I'll make it happen. How you know we need folks that just can help make it happen. But as I become the lead pastor of the church this last 18 months, I've had to take my love for executing the details and tell myself, no, As hard as it's been, people will see me moving a stack of chairs or during the week they'll see me setting up something. Pastor Dean, why are you doing that? And I'm just like, I can't help it. I just got to be doing something all the time, right? Got to be doing it. But the Lord has really been, been saying, Dean, you're robbing somebody else of a blessing. You're robbing somebody else of their anointing. You're robbing somebody else of responsibility, 
And so I've had to take my love for executing these details and tell myself no. And I've had to give the authority and responsibility to Pastor Damien and Pastor Jesse and Pastor Isaiah and Michelle, Carol, and I've had to delegate these things. Why? Because God has something for them and he has something for me. It's interesting because the more I'm obeying God in this area, he's releasing my dream life and clarity is coming in regards to the greater vision of this house. You see, our inability to say no keeps others from saying yes. You guys get that? Number four, delegated authority will always, will allow others to carry out their responsibility. The apostles heard the problem and gave the authority and responsibility needed for the disciples to solve the problem. In your notes, many times the solutions to our problems are found in the people who know everything about them. We just have to give them authority to solve them. How many of you have ever seen Undercover Boss? I like Undercover Boss. I'll just watch the reruns over and over and over, back to back, just the other day. And they take a CEO and, and they, they disguise them and they dress them up as just a regular person and they go into their companies to discover the problems that are keeping their company either from expanding or prospering in certain areas. And then so they'll work alongside of them without getting found out and they'll learn about problems. And then at the end of the show, they get dressed back up in their normal selves and the employees that they've been walking alongside and discussing these problems stuff will walk in and they're, they'll just get as wide as a ghost. They'll be like, what? That was you? The person I told that, yeah, you know, yeah, that's me. And they'll reward them. They'll reward them. They'll give them scholarships, all these different things. But the other thing that the boss does, he gives them the authority to solve the problem that they discovered, that he discovered while working with them. How many know it's important that we give people, we don't even, we don't only tell people what to do, but we give them the authority to do it. I love this verse because the apostles could have become super apostles. They could have heard the complaint. And, and when they heard this complaint, the apostles could have went, da, 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 da. no fear. Super apostles are here. They could have put on their cape and they could have took care of it. They could have took care of it all, but they chose to empower those who knew exactly what the problem was to bring about the solution. You see, a lot of, you know, a lot of folks think they have the gift of recognizing a problem. But how many of you know that's not a gift? God is showing you the problem so you'll do something about it. I know, it gets quiet when you say that, right? Many times we blame others for not knowing about problems or not being able to solve problems that God has specifically revealed to us so we can help solve them. And so people will come, and, and this is me. I, I, I have that gift, right? I have that gift, but I, I understand. I can walk into churches. I do consulting, so I can walk into church, and I can just sense, and I can feel, and, and, I'll, and I'll notice things. Even when I was at the different churches I was at last week, and I can just go, boom, oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. But God shows me those things, not so that I could just tell him about them, but so that I could help solve those problems. 
How many know there's something inside of you that needs to be released? You need to be given the authority and come on so you can carry out the responsibility that God's given you. Listen, when you have the responsibility to solve a problem, listen, but you don't have the authority, how many know that's frustrating? And there's something inside each and every one of us that God wants to unlock so you can unlock this church and take it to new levels. The apostles give them the authority to solve the problem. Verse 3, and I've been challenged by this. It says, therefore, brothers, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. I've been challenged by the phrase, seek out from among you. Why? Because I sense that every solution we need can be found among the people that call RLC their church family. How many know there's something inside of you that God wants to release? Something that could solve a problem around here. Even our special needs, as we just shared about that, the special needs room for months has just been on hold. Why? Because we haven't found the right person that has the ability to unlock that ministry here at Real Life yet. But God wants to unlock that. How many know he wants to unlock that? Why? Because he wants to reach people, right? He wants to reach people. You see, problems pull out the supernatural potential in all of us. So don't run away from your problems. Don't run away from a problem. No, God has showed you that so you could do something about the problem. You see, God is seeking people whose needles point to full. How many like a full tank? We all like a full tank. That word in the Greek means thoroughly permeated, complete, lacking nothing. In this scripture, and I believe in this church, God is seeking people full of integrity, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, and full of power. Why? He wants to appoint you, come on, over different responsibilities, not just in the church, but whatever God is calling you, calling you to, he wants to appoint you. How many know if God anoints us, he also appoints us? He doesn't just fill us to be filled. Oh, hallelujah, I was filled on Sunday morning. Praise God. How many know if that's the goal, we've missed it? He fills us so that the things he calls us to are fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. On your job, there's a huge problem, right? You're facing a huge problem, but you're a believer. Come on, you've got the helper on the inside of you. You've got someone on the inside of you that gives you the advantage in your workplace. And listen, that problem, listen, isn't, isn't a problem. It's an opportunity, Come on. And some, how many know if you solve that problem, sometimes you'll get a promotion. Sometimes you'll get a raise, right? Why? Because God has placed you there with the power of the Holy Spirit to do something about it. I believe the next level for real life church will require full people to serve others, many who feel overlooked and neglected. I just talked to a couple that were been going to this church for five years, and way before I got here, they just said, we just never connected. We've just never been able to connect, and, 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 they, and they said, you know, we're, we're just thinking about maybe trying some other churches, and, and I just said, you know, I understand. I, I, we're, we're, I'm just being honest where we're at. We're just getting our connecting points. I'm not going to overpromise. How many know you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver? I just said, we're on a journey. If you want to go on this journey with us, we're here. Boom. And, I, and we just had that conversation. How many know that's maturity? 
I love when people have those conversations with me, by the way. And, and, and so they went and they tried a couple other churches and they, they just told me this morning after this service, they said, you know, uh, Pastor Dean, we went and we're going to be honest. We, we went and checked out a couple of churches and, and I said, oh man, praise God. And you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to do that. But they said, you know what? The Holy Spirit convicted us that he was showing us what was missing at Real Life Church. And we want to be part of the solution. Come on, somebody. You see, God shows us things. We go through things. Not, not so we can, listen, this is what has robbed the Western church, right? This consumer mentality. Oh, they don't have what I need. I'll just go down the street. When, when listen, God shows you a need to grow what's on the inside of you. Listen, you can go get it. Come on, you can go get it off the shelf. Come on, somewhere else. You can go find it. If you want really good worship, you can drive 45 minutes to Folsom and go to Jesus Culture, powerful presence and worship. Or, come on, you can be like Walt, uh, Walter Williams, who was here, and he was coming to church here maybe once or twice a month. And when the opportunity came, oh, he's over here, back here. See, he's always hiding on me, right? He's always hiding on me. You could be like Walt Williams and say, you know what? No, no, no. We're going to have music. Come on. We're going to have music, quality, come on, anointed, powerful. People are going to get set free. And listen, when people like that, they notice a problem and they say, you know what, God? I'm not running away. I'm not going to the church down there. No, no, here I am. Use me. That's why he fills us. I got three minutes. Here we go. All right, all right. The apostles were not saying that waiting on tables was below them or beneath them. They were saying, if we do this, we're going to rob someone else of operating in their God-given anointing, and we're going to stunt the growth of the people, and we're going to stunt the growth of the church. Everybody say bottleneck. Leads me to number five. Many times God's people are waiting for the ministry of signs and wonders, but God's signs and wonders are in the waiting now, I'm not talking about waiting on God like time, like God, hurry up. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about waiting on tables. Many times God's people are waiting in, for the ministry of signs and wonders, waiting for God to use them in an extraordinary way. But I have found that God's wonders are in the waiting. The supernatural is actually in the serving. Actually, the word waiting in the Greek is diakoneo, and it gives a word picture of keeping the wine glasses full. How many like your glass full? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You pay $3.29 like for a soda at the restaurant, and this is non-alcoholic. Don't worry, all right. $3.29, the waitress or waiter comes, fills your cup, right? Fills your cup, both cups, fills them, serves you dinner, your cut. You eat your dinner, the waiter and waitress is nowhere to be found. You eat your dinner, you're thirsty, your throat is dry, it's parched, and you're like, I need my refill that I paid $3.29 for, right? <clears throat> the word diakono means to minister to one, to wait at a table, to minister, to relieve one's necessities, to take care of the poor and the sick who administer the office of a deacon, to minister, to attend to anything. Everybody say anything. You see, this is a great picture of how we should posture ourselves in service to others. So many folks come to church with an empty glass looking for a refill with nobody to serve them. If you got an empty glass on your way in, could you stand up? Could you stand up? 
And so people come with their empty glass every Sunday. And Pastor Dean, because he's a super pastor, he's trying to fill everybody's glass. And he's only got one bottle to fill. And so he's running around and he's trying to get to everybody. And you're saying, man, this transition sure is slow. It's going really slow. I wish he'd hurry up and start doing something around here. Else I'm going to go to the church down the street. But how do you know God... God, he's filled you too. And so he's given Amy a bottle, right? And he gives my brother over here a bottle, right? And then they can start filling too, right? And so listen, yeah, come on. And the picture, the word picture here, the word picture here in the Greek is keeping wine glasses full. In other words, we don't wait till they get empty, Come on. How you know that could be annoying too when you got a cup of coffee and the waitress comes and goes, let me feel that. No, 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 no. Don't mess up my mix. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Right? But listen, so many times in church, we wait for people to crash and burn and say, oh, how can I help you? How, how can I? Can No, no, no. How about if everyone in the church, come on, came ready. Listen. Not to just fill people when they were empty, but no, no, they came to keep the glass full. Hey, I see you running down. You're a little discouraged. Here, let me give you a little more of what I got. You see, that's where God is bringing us into. Listen, that people full of wisdom, come on, full of the Holy Spirit, would come to fill one another's cup. Come on, give these guys a hand as they come on down. So many folks come to church with an empty glass looking for a refill with nobody to serve them. On the other hand, so many people come to church full, not willing to fill anybody else's glass. But what would happen if we became the church ready to keep each other's glasses full? How about if we never allowed anybody's glass to be empty? Pastor Dean, what are you saying as our ushers come and get ready for communion? You see, when our focus is on people, when our focus is on people, miracles are released. Come on, so many times we're, 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 we're focused on the miracle, but how do you know when we focus on people, the miracle comes? When our focus is service to others, the supernatural is released. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the background pretty much my entire life. Nobody's seen what I do, but I've seen what God did. God noticed me. He, he saw me. And he released the supernatural. He released the power of God through my life. You see, when we're focused on waiting on others, how many know we'll walk in wonders? You see, when we're just willing to fill someone else's cup, the Holy Spirit can overflow their cup. You can pass out the elements now. Leads me to my last point. When I position myself to serve others, I become God's supernatural supply for somebody else. When I position myself to serve others, I become God's supernatural supply for somebody else. Here's Stephen. Stephen, listen, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, I didn't read it, but watch what happens. He starts waiting on the widow. He starts waiting on those that are overlooked and neglected.
people that come in and out of our church every week without being noticed because there's nobody at the door, nobody to greet them, nobody to smile, or they're dropping their babies off and there's nobody there yet. Overlooked, neglected, nobody's there. Here's Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and he begins waiting on tables. He begins filling the cup of these widows that nobody cared about. Everybody forgot them in the mix and in the rush. They forgot about them. Here's Stephen. He's just being faithful. I love it. He's just being faithful. And what happens? Something else happens on his life. Verse 8 says, when he was selected to wait on tables, and I'm paraphrasing here, in the ministry to the widows, again, overlooked, neglected, he begins to walk in a grace he's never walked in. He begins to walk in a power. Come on. He's never walked. In fact, the Bible says, full of power. Come on. Signs and wonders. Come on. He's, he's, come on. He's serving a widow, and he gets to pray with the widow. The widow gets healed. So much starts breaking out, listen, in this ministry of service to those who are overlooked and neglected. So much starts breaking out that the religious folks start getting upset. How you know religious folk going to get upset? And they tried to shut him down. In verse 10, it says, but they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. See, your fullness, come on, your fullness is unfolding here. God, your fullness, God wants it to unfold right where you're at. 